Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, we'll be looking at some interesting stocks with Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities to see what the charts are saying about these companies. And also later on, we'll talk to Paul Rickard about a number of interesting stocks he's been following. But before we kick off, I've got three ideas that involves risks that over 2022, I think these stocks could deliver some interesting returns. No guarantees, mind you, but there's reasonable reason to believe these stocks could do well. I've always liked Warren Buffett's line to be greedy when others are fearful. Uh, but this is really a good idea, I think, when you're dealing with quality companies. Um, I like it also when you're playing the index, the index being the ASX 200. If the index was sold off, I'm quite happy to bet that all the quality companies in that index will eventually rebound and give you a pretty good return. Mind you, I think the Australian um, Stock Exchange, as measured through the S&P ASX 200 index, will have a good year. I'm kind of contemplating at least 10%. Throwing uh, dividends and franking credits could be 15%. Um, and I, I just think over the year, as the economy rebounds out of all these uh, lockdowns and restrictions linked to Omicron, we will see a very strong local and global economy. That'll be good for stocks and therefore I think playing a quality play like an index for the Australian stock market is not a bad idea. I also do like it for companies. Uh, last year and the year before, we liked companies like CVA when it was $60. Now it's over $100. We like Telstra when it was under $3. It's now over $4. So that Warren Buffett idea of being greedy when others are fearful can really pay dividends, provided you are dealing with quality companies. Now, the, the three companies I'm going to talk to you about um, today, not necessarily of the quality of, say, CBA, but they are interesting companies that have, I think, potential. One, of course, is Magellan Financial Group. A year ago, you would, even, you would never have raised any question marks about the quality of the company. But Hamish Douglas has had a few challenges lately, um, and uh, the share price has been clobbered. Um, so I had a bit of a look at what the analysts are saying on FN Arena. FN Arena surveys a whole bunch of brokers and investment banks to see what they thought this company could do over the next year. The average uh, uh, of the consensus of about five or six um, um, experts was a 26.5% upside. Okay, so that's pretty good. The range uh, across the, the six were um, minus 14% and two were negative, four were very positive. And the most positive thinks Magellan could have an 81.8% upside if things go the way they expect. So that's an interesting company to have a look at. Uh, might not respond in the short term, but in the long term, I kind of think Hamish Douglas will get his act together again uh, and the company will have a much better year than 2021 in 2022. Another company which I don't know about the quality, it was once perceived as being a fantastic company, it's called Newix. Um, now here the experts think there's 210% um, upside. However, there was only one analyst um, surveyed and that was from Morgan Stanley. Newix um, was a company that listed around $5, went to about $11 and all of a sudden we discovered that um, the, the treasurer of the company had been sort of you know, not really 
um, it wasn't really dealing with the truth and the revelations that came out about the company really worried the market. It was really sold off heavily. Uh, it's now around the $2 mark. It's interesting that, that Morgan Stanley thinks this company has a lot of upside potential. 210%, it's extraordinary, I guess. Even if only one-tenth right, you make 21%. Uh, that would be a, a pretty good return on anyone's um, analysis. But still, risky company, once regarded as a very good company, but uh, big question marks have been established uh, over 2021, <clears throat> and its share price fell drastically. The third company is another company that was once perceived as being a top quality performer, and that's A2 Milk. Here, the consensus of the, the survey uh, of various investment banks and brokers suggests this company has a 29.6% upside. I've provided uh, the table here of what the various analysts are thinking. And let me have a quick read of it with you. You can see City thinks it's a buy, has a target price of $7.30. It's around $5 something now. So that's 35% upside. Credit Swiss 7% upside. UBS very confident about A2 Milk over the, the course of the year, 89%. Morgan's up 80%. Macquarie is the only one who's got a real question mark, but even then, the fall is only 3%. So it's an interesting company. You know, the, the, um, I'm going to give A2 Milk um, until the end of the year. If nothing happens then, I may well um, dump the stock. This was nearly a $20 stock in July 2020. It is now $5.37 to be precise. Now, I want to see travel resuming uh, over the course of 2022. I want to see Chinese tourists coming back again. They were really big buyers of A2 uh, milk products. They took them home in their suitcases. It was called the, um, the um, uh, Dayu trade. Now, this kind of thing needs to come back to help A2 milk. There are other factors that could help the company, but the bottom line is this was a quality company. The share price has fallen a lot, and there are some experts who analyze the company who think there's plenty of upside. So that's the, that's the, uh, the final um, stock that I want to talk to you about of the, the three, I think are interesting companies that really could over the course of a year deliver. I think the only one that I, I have you know, stronger confidence around would be Magellan um, because I just don't believe Homie Starkless is going to have another bad year like he did in 2022, 2021. Um, but once again, all three companies are relatively risky. Um, but as you can see, the analysts believe there's plenty of upside. So you keep your fingers crossed and you hope it actually works out. Now, let's go to our first guest. That's Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities. Mike, thanks for joining us. Well, joining us now is the founder of Fairmont Equities, Michael Gable. Thanks for coming to the program, Michael. Good to be back, Peter. Well, mate, I think it's probably the right time to look at what the charts are saying about the ASX 200. Let me say, I, I, my feeling is over the course of this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 10% gain, uh, given the fact that we haven't rebounded like the Americans have. Um, mm. And um, But, yeah, I'm happy to see what the charts are saying to you right now. 
Yeah, with with our market, it's um, it's quite clearly in a in a range. So we we peaked in August, and we've just made no progress since then. So there seems to be some very good support near seventy two hundred on the ASX two hundred, um, and obviously the the peak um, around seventy six hundred is where we we have some resistance. So fairly range bound. Um, the US markets are looking. Uh, a bit negative. Um, it does look like they want to head to lower levels. I think for once, our market's actually performing the, the US markets because of our commodity sector, um, really keeping up uh, the index. So I think at the moment, all we could say is we're range bound. Clearly, break under 7,200 means we're going to have a bit of a dip um, to lower levels. And obviously, uh, a break above is uh, uh, a move to higher levels. I know that just sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but um, yeah, ultimately range bound market. I think if you can find some opportunities and as I mentioned, the commodity sector seems to be the strongest one, you know, you take your profits and you have to be happy with that in a fairly flat market. Yeah. And remember, yeah, my, my view is on the, on the whole year and on the whole year I'm gambling that Omicron becomes less of a problem over February and March, then we see that usual rebound out of <clears throat> all the restrictions where we've seen. Um, and hopefully if the economy does rebound, I figure it's going to you know, channel in the company profits and ultimately share prices. And a 10% gain isn't a big, a big number to call, provided we get a strong economic recovery both here and around the world. Yeah, look, I, yeah, the economy is doing really well, and I think um, you know that will continue throughout the year. I, I, I still think that in terms of what the index might do first quarter this year, there is the risk with rising rates. Um, the the winding back of QE could make prices go lower uh, in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know once, as you mentioned, Omicron once that goes away. Once potentially uh, inflationary pressures subside, um, and maybe even we don't get the sorts of rate rises that everyone's uh, expecting, then the market can can really take off. So, I guess I'm I'm in the camp of probably more risk in the first quarter of lower levels, yep. um, but then I'd be using that as a as a better opportunity to pick up um, you know a bunch of stocks that I like because we do have that. Um, that really strong economic growth in the background that should power us ahead um, yeah. in the latter part in, of this year. In the first quarter's tailwinds for the rest of the year, provided we don't get um, another Omicron of some sort. Uh, and I guess another important point, uh, Michael, is that um, you've alluded to it, that if inflation does come off the boil and we don't get the interest rate rises that are currently predicted, like three or four in the USA, it could easily be a rotation back into tech, which really has been smashed so much that a lot of fund managers must be looking and saying, gee, there's some pretty good companies here at very good prices and they could just start nibbling back in because a lot of these companies are companies of the future. And I, I, I think about companies like Zoom, these are companies of the future, Square. They're all going to be favoured over the next four or five years or so. So there could be some buying or re-rotation back into them, particularly if interest rates don't go as high this year as some people are currently predicting. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I can't 
I can't make a prediction where interest rates will be, but what I could see is everyone's very one-sided in expecting rates to do a certain thing. So we need to be open-minded to everyone being wrong, um, similar to the end of 2018, where the market really took off. And look, I've, I've sold um, good tech stocks like um, Prometicus and Zero, et cetera, several weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the NASDAQ has a bit of a wobble maybe in the order of 20%, but again, I'd be using that as a um, as an opportunity to buy because the market gets a bit too excited on the way up and down. And um, and we need to be open to the fact that that inflation isn't going to be as bad as everyone thinks. And if if that occurs, then we don't uh, you know, expect all the rate rises that everyone's expecting and therefore um, tech could really take off at some point. So not predicting that will happen, but you know, as investors, we just need to be open-minded to, you know, both both uh, both sides yeah. of, of, of the story. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's go look at our first stock, and that's BHP. And you know, we have liked it at the low levels. It's now climbing back up, and I'm intrigued to see whether the charts are telling you that there still is some upside. The analysts, on, on average, think there's about six percent downside. But mate, looking at that chart. And I'm not an expert like you, but it looks pretty positive. Yeah, look, when it comes to analysts and commodities, um, you know, it's I, I think they can be behind the curve because, you know, you they're basically, you know, the commodity stocks uh, move based on the commodity prices and they tend to move pretty quickly. And and, and a lot of analysts find it difficult to keep up with with where the uh, the underlying prices are going, and we yeah we looked at BHP at the end of last year, Peter, and we noticed the that sort of um, bottoming out there. So I've indicated with the two blue lines the the base that the BHP seemed to be building, um, and obviously the breakout was was the buy, and it's just had a fantastic run. So you know I know I sound like a broken record saying commodities is the is is the best sector to be in, but at the moment that's that continues to be the case. Um, most recently, what I've circled on the right-hand side of the chart is where BHP had a very strong run at the start of January. It probably ran a bit too hot and it just had to consolidate that move, which is what I've circled. And all, it, all it's done is it's gone sideways. Instead of pulling back, it's just gone sideways to consolidate. And now it's gapped up again today. It's up about two to 3% as we speak. Um, yeah, look, the momentum is clearly to the upside. So um, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got clients holding BHP, Fortescue. I think they've they've got further to run. Yeah. Well, good. It's always nice to know that when you talk something up, it actually came to pass. All right, let's forget the ones that didn't come to pass. Let's <laughs> okay. do our next one. Now, Westpac, you know, um, it's it's been a um, Enfant terrible, if that's my correct French pronunciation, but it has had a shocker. Is the other yeah. chart saying to you, eh, maybe the worst is behind them? I think over the course of this year, the share price has a bit more of a bounce in it. Um, I can see that on the chart. I think when we, when we think about rising rates, it's good for bank margins. Um, you know, economic growth is 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 pretty good, so that's good for banks. Um, the negative with Westpac is, yeah, they have, um, you know, looking back the last six months, their margins have been crunched a bit, and um, you know, there is increased competition. So, 
I think we've got a bounce for Westpac, but what I've got here in terms of charts is a weekly chart going back several years, just to put in perspective you know, how well these banks have really gone. And we can see that after peaking in 2015, it has been making those lower highs. So I think Westpac from 2015 is a different bank to, to Westpac in 2022. So things are a bit tougher. Um, the share price will improve, but based on the way it's been trading, to me, it looks like if you can get sort of $24, $25, that might be um, the best that, that you'd get. So, yeah, look, I'm probably a bit of upside in the short term. And, and again, this chart to me highlights two, two important um, points. The first is buying something and holding it forever because it pays a dividend, doesn't necessarily pay off. So if you're the poor, poor person that, that paid high 30s for Westpac, you've done nearly half your dough. Yes, you've got dividends along the way, but you know that's not an investment. Um, and the other thing is of the big four banks, um, CBA is the only one that's actually above its 2015 price. The others are, are below. So it just shows that um, when it comes to, if you're looking to hold the banks long-term, even though CBA is the most expensive, I think you're better off in CBA. It, uh, it does perform better over time. You might get the occasional bounce in, in stocks like Westpac, which I think you know, we, we can see over the next several months, but um, I think longer term, it's not going to... Um, uh, shoot the lights out or, or, or give you a really good return. Uh, and I think probably apart from CBA, the, the best time to buy the banks is after a, a substantial market crash because they, they do come back, but they don't come back to the same magnitude as the better banks like Macquarie and CBA. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Let's go to the next one. And, you know, Woodside... Um, uh, it struggled um, around $18 to $20 mark and it's eventually broken out. Um, I've been getting questions in our Boom Zoom, Zoom show from our subscribers about whether there's more upside for, for Woodside. I must admit, I did say to one of our subscribers today, well, you know, Paul and I liked it around 18 and 19, so you made pretty good money. The money in the future you want to make might be a lot harder. But looking at this chart, it looks pretty positive, mate. Yeah, it does. And if you didn't ask me to look at this one, Peter, this would have been my pick for uh, for our video today because um, it is one I've, I've got back into recently for clients last, I think it was Monday last week. So basically, you know, we're, we're eyeing off that that pullback across October, November. The, the range started to tighten up. So I mentioned tightening ranges a lot in our videos because... It usually precedes a bit of a move. So as soon as it moved through $23, to me, that was the buy signal. Um, I think the chart looks really good at the moment. It's finding resistance, you know, naturally at that October peak, which I've indicated with that horizontal line, but it's holding up really well. And I think it'll just stall here for a day or two at most. Um, and then it'll continue to push on and, and try to head up towards the the high 20s where we'll have to um, reassess. So like like most, um, with, with these energy stocks, they're, they're very cyclical. So you, you should only really be in them probably a few months at a time. I mean, if you look back over the last sort of 15, 16, 17 years of Woodside, it's actually made no progress in terms of share price, but you really need to capture it when the oil price is, is really kicking on and that's at the moment. So now's, 
now's the right time to stay holding on to Woodside. And if it was to go through the October peak, I'd use that as an opportunity to, um, to add to the position if you were looking to do so. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying about people held it for a long time. Poor Ricard always cries about the fact he brought in at $40. So all these games don't really make him as, as cheerful as me who brought in at 18. So it, it's the, the nature of this market, isn't it? When you buy, yeah. it's critically important to whether you celebrate or not with a, a share price move. That's Woodside. Let's go to our final one now. And this is an interesting one. A lot of people would know this new one because it's a combination of Two companies and uh, with a ticket code AKM. Is it pronounced AKIM? I'm not sure. To be honest. Yeah. I think my pronunciation is as good as your French pronunciation, yeah. Peter. So um. <laughs> I've written it, but I haven't actually said it. But it looks like AKIM, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. Uh, AK, either way, as long as it's going up, we can call, we can call it whatever we want. Um, so this is, you're right, it's the merger of two. Um, so the old Galaxy and uh, Oricobra, which, um, which is a difficult pronunciation in itself. So ORE, GXY, Lithium companies, they merged. They're now called AKE. Um, obviously, Lithium's been, you know, all those Lithium stocks have been going crazy the last, uh, the last few months. Um, I thought I'd, I'd highlight this one because in some respects it, it hasn't, hasn't rallied as much as say mineral resources, um, which were previously looked at, or Pilbara Minerals, um, but it still has a very bullish profile. Um, so obvious resistance at $10, broke through that at the end of December. The momentum at the moment is starting to look a bit weak. So it's not one that necessarily viewers should go out and buy right now, but the overall profile is very bullish. I think that if we see it come back maybe in the mid tens, um, then then that would be a good opportunity. And clearly, if it went back under ten dollars, that would be a negative. So I think I think lithium stocks could continue to push on short term. As I mentioned, the momentum starting to to ease off just a little bit. Um, prices, uh, I think, will need to come back a little bit after those very low volume moves over Christmas. Um, but but yeah, I think a very good opportunity in in the mid tens. I noticed the FN Arena survey of analysts. I think there's a 25 or 28% upside for the company. So you're not alone in thinking that there's a, an opportunity here for this one. Well, well, Mike, thanks for the insights. And uh, I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks' time. Let's hope uh, you're right, as you often have been on this program. Thanks, Peter. Looking forward to it. And that's Mike Label of Fairmont Equities. Well, joining me now is Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. You've been looking at AGL, Paul, with a demerger coming up uh, in the middle of this year. Uh, the, the share price has really spiked in recent times. Is this company a buy now or have we missed the boat? Yeah, Peter, look, I think um, we'll probably miss the boat uh, would be my answer. I think holders should hang on. Let's just have a look at the graph, probably just to worth put AGL in a bit of context, Peter. Uh, look, we saw it, it was up. Five years ago, the analysts loved the stock. You know, it was trading around over $25. Uh, a lot of people talking about it could go to $30. Uh, it's basically been a one-way train down since, touching uh, about $5.30 in, uh, 
in November, now bounced up to uh, just over $7.30, a little higher even today. Uh, so uh, that's a big rebound. That's a rebound of 40% from the bottom. A lot of the technicians got quite excited by the so-called double bottom there in September and, and November. Uh, and as a result, also, some of the brokers have upgraded their forecasts. So there's a bit more, there's been some positive news, I guess, in the sense that, um, you know, there's been a movement slightly higher in the forward electricity price, and that's got the brokers just a little more excited. But that said, Peter, um, look, they're pretty much on the fence in terms of AGL. Okay. What about the brokers? What are the brokers saying at, at this point in time? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got another chart here, Peter, that just gives you the uh, the forecasts uh, from the major brokers, courtesy of uh, FN Arena. You can see that the uh, the target price here on a consensus basis is pretty much about where it closed today. It's at $7.37. A uh, little bit of range from a low of $6 up to as high as $8.70. I suppose the interesting point to note, Peter, is that the recommendations are now more sort of buy neutral Whereas a few months ago, they were very much sort of sell neutral. Uh, so the brokers have got a little more positive, but they're not seeing it as being a runaway stock. And uh, I don't think that the valuation metrics really support that. Okay. Now, just for those people who are unaware of the merger, what's happening with AGL um, in the middle of this year? Yeah, so uh, the, the business is being separated into sort of the clean AGL and the dirty AGL. The, the dirty AGL is to be renamed Axel Energy. Now, this is, of course, subject to shareholder approval. So if you're an AGL shareholder, you'll get, a, in due course, a scheme booklet to vote on this proposal or not. Uh, Axel Energy will be the dirty business, and that's essentially all AGL's dirty so-called coal-fired power stations. That's Liddell, Bayswater, uh, Luoyang A, and, of course, Torrens Island in South Australia. That's And to be honest, that's the bulk of AGL's revenue. It actually comes from producing electricity as a wholesaler. Um, so that's the main business. It'll go into uh, Axel Energy. Uh, it'll have wholesale customers. It will sell some of its energy on contract basis to the new retail business called AGL Australia and will also own between 15 and 20% of the new AGL Australia. Now the AGL Australia business, that's gonna be the retail business. Uh, that's what a lot of us think about when we hear the name AGL, about 4.5 million uh, gas and electricity retail and business customers. Uh, so that'll be the new AGL Australia business. We'll also have a portfolio of some so-called green energy assets. So things involved in things like gas-fired peaking, hydro, solar, and battery storage and a small shareholding in tilt renewables. So mainly a retailer, but a portfolio also of some uh, green energy assets. So two companies. Uh, and if the demerger is approved by shareholders, uh, that is time to occur in about June of this year. Okay. Let's go to one other stock that you wrote about earlier work in the Switch report, namely CSL. Let's quickly talk, talk about that and whether... CSL is a buy at these current share prices? Look, I think it is, Peter, and we, we discussed this on Monday. Look, it's just like all stocks, it gets caught up in the, which are sort of higher growth, higher models, it's caught up in the current, uh, you know, um, movement and rotation in the US. Uh, and that's impacting a lot of healthcare stocks. I think uh, for shareholders, uh, we're interested to know about the share subscription plan, Peter. 
The important thing to note about that is there is no current market risk and you won't pay higher than $273. And if the CSL share price goes down between now and when it closes, you could pay considerably less. So, you know, today CSL trading about $269. If CSL was to be trading at $269 in the week leading up to the closing date of the 8th of February, if you take participate in the share purchase plan, you'll pay about $263. Now, I think that's good buying. I think you have to be patient, uh, but I think it's a great company, Peter, and I think you probably agree with me there. Yeah, the analysts think the uh, the target price for CSL is $320. So if you can get it at $273 or $263, it looks like a reasonable bet for me. And there are analysts who think it goes higher than $320. So great company, uh, be patient. It'll eventually del deliver over time. Paul, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks, Peter. And that was Mike Gable of Fairmont Equities. That's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you want to get more insights, you should become a subscriber to The Switzer Report. Go to switzerreport.com.au and not only will you be able to see this show, but you'll see the other shows we do for our subscribers like the Boom Doom Zoom Show on most Thursdays where people are able to actually ring up and ask us what stocks um, they would like us to analyse and give them a view on. That's switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on Monday.